0: Welcome to Thug Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations and as always trust your inner criminal
1: Hello, friends. Hello. What's
2: up? What is up? What is up, gamers? <laughs> oh, gaming my life away. Yo, boy. snacks. We're gonna do a review of uh, mac and cheese and in the box. <laughs> I have to do a review
3: of. Uh, I'm an influencer now, so I get sent a lot of things uh, in the mail and. They tell me to it, to review them and, and give out promo codes to my fans. Uh huh. Uh
2: huh. So what have you yeah. what have you got recently?
3: Uh, this VPN called Dollar VPN Club. Uh-huh.
2: Uh huh. <laughs> how would you rate its security out of um, three?
3: Um, I'd say like negative forty seven, and then like like nine hundred A's, and then uh-huh. um, a thirty two bit address, and then. Um, some shell code to add a user
1: sweet eight out of eight it's great
3: (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah what's up everybody how's everybody been we have a lot of people on tonight um this is a pretty pretty cool show um we, last year, did a Mental Health for Hackers. Um, it was a bit chaotic, but it was awesome because we all sort of just vented and had a, had a good time. I feel like we definitely have some more well-equipped people who have some awesome things to say about mental health, and it's something that we've all been you know, dealing with, talking about, trying to figure out resources for, and in general, just trying to get more people to, to speak about as people who are in the computer industry and who identify in some way as a hacker. Um, so, really grateful for everybody here who showed up. Um, so, anybody here who's not usually on our show, um, usually in the beginning, we talk about anything cool we did this weekend. So, anyone do anything cool this weekend?
4: Hell, you graduated. Yeah. You graduated? Oh, shit. That's real cool. <laughs> Wait, who is that? That's me, not Pike. Oh, Pike. Oh, yeah, you totally did. That's awesome. Yeah, it's got the official word for my school saying I'm graduated and they'll give me my diploma here at the end of the month. So, woo. That's awesome. Congrats. That's such a good feeling to be done. Oh, it's, I'm never done. It's just yeah. glad to get a piece of
5: paper.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not done. Done with that. At least that one phase.
5: Yeah. And now you can be like the rest of us and pay off your loan for the next 75 years.
4: <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> this should be fun, though. I don't know. It took me 13 years to get this far,
4: so yay. (laughs) I think the DOE uses struts, if anybody's curious. Um,
3: But the, um, to (laughs) call this weekend, uh, what did I do? I don't even know. I went to a a flea market, it was cool. (laughs) Heck yeah. (laughs) I didn't find anything. It was actually surprisingly lacking in electronics, which I was really boned about. There's a lot of crystals, though, which. Could technically be turned into electronics if I wanted to, but I don't have a milling machine.
2: I really like uh, the crossover between the crazy astrologists, like, like crazy crystal, powerful crystals, and then it's like they don't know what an oscillator is. Yeah, but there's also there's
3: truth to that, too. It's like, yeah, this uh, quartz definitely has some unlocked hidden power uh, <laughs> <laughs> that we weren't supposed to know about, that we somehow harness, and uh, it's good stuff. Mm. Um yeah, so if anybody doesn't have anything else to go on, we should try to get through the news kind of quickly so we can do our uh, do our actual discussion. We have we have notes for the discussion, which is a big plus, um, so I'm trying to just uh, have some awesome uh, talks about things and resources, and some of the people in here are actively involved in organizations that can help um, and try to do outreach for hackers, so I'm really excited to talk to them. Um, so yeah, let's get to the news. Uh, the first thing, here, I'll just post this again in the chat here. Thanks, what's my op-stick? Um for the bits? Um, so yeah, the first story on here is Amazon's uh, FC ambassadors uh, story about this. So this this kind of came came. This has been going on for a bit, but a couple of days ago, people started really making a uh, a big deal out of it. Is all of the Amazon Fulfillment Center ambassadors that have just sort of invaded Twitter with the most insanely cold generic responses to any criticism against Apple with all these just completely bullshit like I mean um not Apple, Amazon with completely bullshit um like ways of uh, of describing how the company operates. Um this is just pretty insane. There's a lot of a lot of accounts that do this. This is like a Quite a big little botnet they got going on
5: here. Nothing about this surprises me whatsoever, having worked there for five seconds. <laughs> they, yeah. oh my God, they really, really, I, I, this is my first time on the show. So, by the way, thank you for having me on. So, I don't know how much shit you guys actually talk about. Talk a lot of shit. Okay, yeah, you, cool. You can All right. Yeah, fuck them. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, this is completely something Amazon, I, I was in AWS, uh, and yeah, this is. I saw this and surprised me not one bit.
2: Yeah, actually, I um, I met uh, a, a recruiter, an Amazon recruiter at a con, um, and they were like, yeah, if you're looking for a job, hit me up. So I actually was at the time I hit him up like a week later, they'd already quit. And I was <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> like, that's a good sign. And then Short shelf okay, life. Like butter. Yeah. yeah, I was like, "Oh, um, well, I guess I won't be pursuing that.
5: I actually wouldn't be surprised if these people also moonlight for Apple and get confused and start like, uh, uh, defending Apple on the Amazon feed and that kind of thing.
3: No, there are not suicide nets at Am- Amazon.
5: Apple, a- Amazon uh, Bezos.
3: Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's just crazy. Cause I mean, it's there, a lot of the accounts, what I noticed was were very, very sloppy. Some of them had names of the wrong name and the wrong picture. And, like, just completely different language that you would, like, on, across different posts. Like, it would be, like, a couple of months It'd be like, hi, my name's, like, Josh. And then, hi, my name's, like, Vivian. And it's just, like, in the same account. And then, like, those two posts would be on there. I and mean, then the other person would be named, like, Martha on the actual account. You're like, who are, like, what is this? I've, I've never seen such sloppy work with, with uh...
5: You know my favorite comment on this from these is uh, "Party Thrash Dads" it says, "I've seen more believable hostage videos."
2: Yes. <laughs> I like that uh, they all use the same uh, email or at least like the same mask. It begins with FC. It's clearly Amazon.com at the end. Like, mm-hmm. uh, well done at hiding things on Twitter. Are uh, you new?
3: <laughs> it's just like I don't know people. Like this will only ever be sustainable and work for a couple of accounts. It's just I don't know how they managed to, to put up this much infra and then just make it so easy to trace back to to what they were trying to do. Just it's absurd, and I don't know what are we gonna do. No, nothing's gonna really stop Amazon. So yeah, I, also, I it was to like talk their
1: boss on Twitter, like some of the ones were like super like sad. Like uh, I was like, oh yeah, sometimes I just like to hug these stuffed animals and pretend they're my children. Like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, if you're gonna try for like, not, uh, like, cyberpunk dystopia, like, maybe tone it down a bit.
6: Like, I don't know, what's wrong with that?
3: <laughs> I wish I could see my children, but
2: instead, I use all of your stuffed animals before I send them out. Yeah, there's this like a season of South Park about this. Um, <laughs> it's literally the thing, yeah, but, um, I, I think, Yeah, no matter what happens with all this crazy stuff and Amazon, like clearly being fucking weird or whatever, uh, people are always gonna be like, I wanna go work at Amazon. And then they're gonna do it anyway. So I don't know how much impact this is gonna have either way, really.
3: Yeah, who knows? I, I feel like once you get this big, people are still, there's people, there's entire sectors of people in education right now that their dream is to be going to Amazon. So who knows? And it's also the Walmart effect where, it becomes a source of a lot of jobs. So a lot of people will go there and that's just the only option they're going to really have. And whether or not they want to sit there and, and ask for Amazon on Twitter, it's still a lot of people's only choice, which is really unfortunate. Um, but yeah. Um, so, d this next one, I was like laughing at this because I don't know if, if I support this or not. The next one is, federal police are fighting court um, that rules uh, that mobile phones are not computers. This is yeah. in for the AFP, right?
2: Yeah, this is for the Australian Federal Police. Uh, I don't know how well how far it extends into uh, uh, intelligence agencies. I doubt very far. Um, however, like lol, like <laughs> phone has CPU has storage has memory runs like the same kernel, or like a very similar kernel that is running on a desktop like it has all the features like all the attributes that you would say a computer has, but it's not, that's cool. And then, yeah. So it means like, like all the, all the, all the uh, laws that apply to like, you know, um, handing over data that's on encrypted disks, because like you can be jailed for up to two years if you don't hand over the crypto keys um, to, to devices that have been proven to have evidence on them. So like if, if you're surveilled and, uh, I can't remember the exact details, but it's like if you're surveilled and it's shown that that disk contains um, evidence on a crime, and then you you willingly hide it, you can be jailed or whatever. And I can't remember how long that continues for, but I guess that just means that like phones no longer fall under that category of computer. So I don't know what they're gonna do. It's pretty weird. Yeah. Does that weird. mean
1: that I could ha- like hide my my keys on like <laughs> on an Android emulator? <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, you know, like, man, there's just so many things that uh, if you were on probation and you weren't allowed to touch a computer, like you weren't allowed to use like a desktop or whatever, do you just use a phone? Like, is that okay? Can you VNC into a computer (laughs) from a phone? Uh
5: Which is weird because the phones now are probably more powerful than most of the computers like the judges have on their desks at home.
2: Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, telecoms <laughs> in Australia, it's a, it's a weird place. It they came on there. Like,
3: that was me awesome. for a second. Sorry. Hey, so quick thing, Ben, I just clicked your link in the chat and I'm on Linux on zoom and somehow I don't know why this happened, but it defaulted to opening up the wine browser for some reason. And it was in a loop where it opened up like two.
5: Very fell for the classic blunder. <laughs>
3: I had to, I had to do I, I did do it I
7: swear it wasn't intentional.
3: I had to leave the meeting and I was like shit. I need to I have to quickly make DNZ the host and then because I'm the host of the of the of the meeting and then try to kill the Zoom process which didn't kill the Wine Browser process. So then I'm over here at PS Docs like sweating now like how do I make my computer not crash right now <laughs> like on the stream? So yeah, oh, okay, I'm That's so a, sorry. Uh, bug? No, I'm not 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 bummed at all. That was an awesome awesome bug.
2: Um, I think there was a similar ruling, sorry, just to get back to the, on the topic, there was a similar ruling in like, I want to say Denmark, but you're gonna have to check me on this fact, um, where routers on like network devices were not considered computers because they didn't have, um, like a hard drive or something. It was like some really weird loophole. I don't know if that still stands, but it meant that, uh, in the regions where those laws applied that owning uh, a network device was not owning a computer, which is super weird. I mean, when you look at things like Mirai or whatever, right? That's all I own.
1: Yeah. And yeah. What are you infecting
7: if not computers at that point? Like, oh man, could you set up your whole, like set up routers, everything? Like your whole home network is a, is a phone?
2: Yeah. You just have a whole bunch of phones and you run like, I don't know, open stack or not. You're on Linux, you run Android OpenStack and have like distributed
5: compute. Oh <laughs> uh, wait, holy shit. I, I I just clicked Ben's link and now my fridge just rebooted, so I think something's fucked up
8: <laughs> <laughs> <Not>
3: <laughs> you know, it's hard to make bad links. Um <laughs> but yeah, I was I was wondering though, so if if what about specifically a phone would not make it a computer? Because you just run Android on your desktop computer and say
2: it's a phone. like like chromebooks or whatever like yeah oh here's a gsm module it's uh it's a phone (laughs) yeah it's primary purposes for making phone calls but i i mean there's some really weird stuff that's like left over in the telecommunications acts from like 93 95 um that apply to computers so i wonder if maybe like for example you can't i think there's like a you can't port scan kind of uh clause because and if you like if you do port scan it's like um if you find a, a vulnerability regardless of if you exploit it like that's illegal which is like i don't think anybody's ever been charged with that ever um but it's like a leftover from like war dialing so i'm wondering like now to, to like if you if you port scan from your phone what's that are you war dialing again like in the eyes of the court. Yeah, let me
5: fire up my rotary computer. <laughs> it's like super weird. So I, for uh, ignorant Americans, is that telecom act kind of like the CFAA here?
2: Uh,
5: I think it's under the criminal code somewhere, but I can't okay, remember. Okay, I just didn't know if it was equivalent.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm not a lawyer.
5: Really, because somebody told me you were, so now I'm in deep shit.
2: <laughs> I can't give it legal advice, but hack the planet. Great. Shut the fuck up and get a
3: lawyer. The, dream um, of the 90s is alive. Yo, so the next story we have on here um, DeVos linked adoption agency exposed highly sensitive children's medical data. Um, this is pretty sick. Uh, basically, this uh, adoption agency that gets uh, kids or taken from their parents at the border um just left a bunch of pdfs with like kids medical like full medical records
2: just like on their website (laughs) like cool that's a good thing to leave for like you know when the kid becomes an adult and they can get totally frauded
3: yeah it had all their information on apparently like all like some really detailed information that like i don't want to know about um just on uh on this website. So, so yeah. Prepping to sell them like on eBay? Like maybe those are just specs. <laughs> yeah, right. Spec sheets. the data sheet for my child who's left yeah. on the plate. No, it's it's definitely pretty fucked. Um and it just goes to show like for a lot of the sort of like really sloppy organizations that try to like I guess make a quick buck or something, who knows? Um, trying to do something that's supposedly good uh still like i I don't know i I, there's no like justification for this it breaks like so many different regulations like federal regulations like hipaa and like other sorts of other uh data protection laws i don't know how they'd still be in business after something like this but
5: yeah cool i mean how is anybody ever in business for doing this because this happens literally all the time
3: oh absolutely it's just like one of those things that when it's like 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 kids like they didn't sign up to have their data yeah that's super shit. Yeah, like there's already people that are in like a stressful like environment and situation like if you're like a refugee child that's like i don't know it's just it's like way more fucked up than like oh my adult friend finder or you know yeah, you, <laughs> can't, you like,
2: can't consent to like your data being put anywhere so yeah but have you guys ever been asked if you've uh, if you want to sponsor a child yeah. you want you want to sponsor a child like you know those professional muggers in the street that's new you've never been
1: asked if you want to sponsor a child Oh, like the, like the, like, what is it, like uh, 50 cents a day or whatever?
9: Like on PBS. Yeah. I mean, never buy a like a mugger in the street.
5: No, I only like get handed CDs.
1: The, no,
2: they're like char- charity muggers. Like, well, that's what we call them here. And they, they come up and like, hey, do you want to sponsor a child? I mean, the best response is like, do I get the child? Like if I'm paying.
5: <laughs> yeah, and, and if so, can we do like a performance test? Like, what am I buying into? Yeah. yeah
1: my favorite part of those is they want you to write down like your credit card number on this piece of paper for them oh yeah like, <laughs> like can you just write down all your personally like can you just write down everything i need to steal your identity right here on this piece of paper uh, i've
2: had a i've had like a like an argument in the street with one of those guys i was like i'm not right i was like i'll give you five bucks to the to your charity right now like cash and he's like no we only take credit I'm like well, what you want me to write it down and he's like yeah I'm like no Um, He's like, well, I'm like, you'll just get hacked, and like, or you'll run off, like, you'll lose your paperboard, like, paperclip board or whatever. And he's like, "Uh, no, nobody would hack us. We're a charity. I was like, oh,
5: that's a guy who knows how to risk
2: model. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, never gonna get hacked because you're a charity. Let me tell the Russians about that one.
3: Um, So the next story that we have on here uh, is weird because it just gives you this JSON response. It just says. Not found. And I'll go on Google to search for wired, no license plate, and it's not found either. Um, so
4: hold on, I'm going to pull up a cached copy. Um, That's weird. I see it. I see this sign too. Unless you're making jokes about it returning null. No, it's literally like uh, it's saying like
3: I'm going to post the screenshot. Maybe I don't know. It just gives me this JSON response. Wait, so y'all can see
7: it though? Yeah, it's probably Ben's fault.
6: Kind of
7: yeah. shit. Let, let me push an update to my rat right hey. one sec. <laughs> I do
4: null article might be just returning null.
3: That'd be cool. I, I mean, if somebody did that, but <laughs> okay. If anybody can read it, just go on Google and get the uh, cached version of it. Um, so yeah, this is pretty cool. Somebody um, had done a license plate that just said null and ended up getting a bunch of pla- uh, parking violations from other people. Because of the mislabeled
0: um, like tickets.
2: What's funny is the they came in from like before the guy had the number plate before he had the car. Like mm-hmm. it's just like they just built up from you know with however many errors in the system, and then he gets them off,
4: <laughs> Well thought the out. Fucked up, the fucked up part is this is not actually a California DMV freaking going after him. These are like private uh, collection agencies. So whenever like tickets don't get paid, they'll go to a collection agency who don't give a fuck. These are like scalpers. And they're just like going after him for money and they'll just fucking start doing like these really gnarly things. It's not good. Yeah.
3: They'll be like dog the bounty hunter too and they come out of nowhere like
4: <laughs> it's like Mr. Sir, license plate of Noel, you have unpaid tar- parking tickets from two thousand one. You need to pay them like... now. <laughs> Some well, crazy
2: it's... lady with troll eyebrows from Operation Repo.
5: <laughs> that was probably a bold move presenting a DefCon because he could have got swarmed by like dog. Yeah. on stage. <laughs> the hacker <laughs> note is <as Action>. null. <laughs> sweet.
7: So what's really fucked about this is that a lot of states like go through private companies for their ALPR ticketing systems, mm. and then yeah, like exactly like you said, it goes right to collections, and like you don't even know until they're like calling you and, and messing with you. So. Yeah. Yeah. This is also, awesome- yeah. Go
1: ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. Also, it's like uh, you can't um, like renew your license if you have like re- registration if you have unpaid tickets.
6: <laughs> and right, so it's
1: yeah. Like, there's a. It's like a ticking time bomb that never, you know, stops adding up. Maybe, like, whenever he has to <laughs> renew his it? registration, he's gonna have a real bad time.
2: Yeah. There's a really important question we haven't asked right now. How do I get my regular license plate to say to come up as null in the DB? <laughs> yeah. So that, so that that guy gets my fines. Like, didn't somebody? Just, uh, <laughs> yeah.
3: Didn't somebody um, do an SQL injection as a plate? Uh, or to sure. system one time?
1: Yeah, yeah. They just tape pieces of paper over their over their license plate. I think that's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this needs oh. more testing. Could you go sixteen
10: bit and throw all zeros at it, and it would default all access? I mean, not yeah. in the context of login, but that
3: <laughs> just start sending you every ticket to. You just get you just get it. you just get a success message that says you are now logged in as admin in
2: the mail. <laughs> the global vehicle bandit. <laughs> is
1: it's like uh, blind sacral injection. All, in all cars now belong to you. Yeah, this got me thinking too. Like um, these, these websites, right? for every state you have your own website where you can register your plates and it's like man think of how a old these websites are and b that they accept user input and i was like oh boy yeah there's uh, some pretty
3: there's some pretty cool awesome vectors through some of those uh tell you what um, you <laughs> before we incriminate ourselves let's talk to you about the next um story here which is apple seeks to shut down carillium's uh, ios uh, builds.
4: Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it, boys and girls. Nope. Not gonna happen. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you what.
3: <laughs> yeah. So basically, Corellia makes uh, like pretty good replicas of iOS um, to for security researchers. And Apple's uh, problem with it is that they basically they're saying that they're subverting their own. Researcher policies, or the um, good faith, good faith security researcher program stuff um, that offers all their big bug bounties, and because they're saying that they are encouraging people to report them to third parties and sell them to the highest bidder, which I don't know. That's just how it has worked for a long
2: time. I mean, we talked about this last week. Like Apple only paying one million dollars for like a full like uh, no no uh, no user in action RCE. Mm-hmm. and like other people paying two million (laughs) i'll pay you one million and one dollars yeah like they're gonna i don't know i don't see that as the thing but they did say that like so carillium are running a hypervisor and you know their own i guess xnu kernel of some kind that's pretty close right Mm -hmm. um so like what part of this i don't understand what what part of this is actually like Apple's private data like unless they're using like some part of the leaked iboots or something like that uh, i mean there's so many little bits of it that they, they could
3: call on for patent stuff there's like like i feel like there's any like co- line of code that they could construe as theirs would be a count against like cover improvement stuff
2: they got to prove it right that's going to be a long drawn out court case <laughs> and unless curium have the money behind them to just keep fighting apple mm-hmm. like i don't like you know They'll just go here forever until they run out of money. Yeah. yeah. Definitely interesting though, to see what will end up happening with that.
3: Cause I feel like they're not going to be able to shut it down, but they might find some bizarre loophole that does. And then who knows, there's just going to be some other place that just operates in some non-expedition country, that just starts banging them out too.
2: Yeah. So Apple, Apple's current, uh, virtualization of iOS like only, well, and MacOS as well is like only on Apple hardware the other thing so mm-hmm. i guess they're trying to like keep people who are doing apple research on apple hardware maybe who knows we should
3: talk to posix ninja yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. well they haven't uh, like uh apple x80 uh, what is it called like a hackintosh the um mac macOS x86 project is like still around still running i mean people there's people who've done some
3: pretty amazing stuff with with that in general though like people been able to like jailbreak and reimplement the entire OS and make yeah like ISOs of of pretty much everything <laughs> and rewrite core parts of the kernel to do funny things.
1: Yeah. Also, I saw on Twitter some like developers were talking about how like nice like Kirlian makes it for like building out and testing apps and like something just a service that Apple doesn't provide, right? Yeah. Like, absolutely. And it's like, it's shitty that you're going after someone for providing a service to your developers, like people developing for your OS. Yeah. You don't provide, like if you're going to like sue someone for providing a service like that, at least provide that service. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, they were saying how fucking hard it is to find anything else that uh, compares with that. Mm Hmm. Um, yo,
3: we can skip this Huawei story. It's basically the summary is Huawei is just like saying that they don't give a shit about the uh, UK trying to ban them or anybody else trying to ban them. They're just going to keep funding other companies, which is funny. Uh, but the next one we have (laughs) the next one is um, this uh, Firefox bug that could allow uh, copying saved passwords without the master password. Um, so it's advisory they put out. Um, was if you have a master password for Firefox, um, and you enabled it to access all of your saved passwords in the browser, um, I guess it's just a bypass for it that you can just use to get around the master password dialogue and get it unauthenticated. But it says that I'm unauthorized to access this bug. I need to have an account to see the details.
2: On the bugzilla?
3: Yeah.
2: Lame. Lame, but
3: yeah, update your uh, Firefox because who knows? You, apparently, you have to have local access to the machine to do it. It doesn't seem like it's a remote thing. Um,
2: well, Chrome has the Chrome uh, has that mode where you put it in developer mode, the flag, and then you can just dump like every saved cookie in JSON mm-hmm. format. Um, anyway, so yeah.
3: But I mean, I if you're tr- if you're trusting uh, Firefox similar to the way you trust a password manager in that context. Um, then, yeah, that's a pretty bad bug.
2: Yeah, I guess that's the lesson. Like, Firefox is not a password manager. <laughs> well, I mean, they
3: try to market themselves like that sort of all-in-one web experience. I mean, a lot of people do, and people uh, definitely buy the hype. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, get a proper password manager or get a bunch of sticky notes. Do what you got to do. Um, <laughs> uh, the next one here I thought was really cool. This was um, Confidential Company Documents Exposed in Public Sandboxes. So this is a a report that somebody had done um, on, I think, should have been VirusTotal, other other websites where you upload, you know, random files to check them. And in monitoring these, they were checking for, like, PDFs and documents and stuff, and they ended up finding, like, a ton of benign stuff because people are uploading things in mass from email or whatever um, and trying to check whether or not they are You know, ransomware loaders or whatever. Um, They ended up just finding a bunch of like government documents and like company documents on these um, these sandboxes here. Oh yeah. Of course, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought of that, but that's really funny.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I mean, on like VTI, right? You can just look up like the word confidential, right? Because you you have all the YAR rules and whatever. But if you just have like having confidential and like virus, if you have intelligence or whatever uh boy like there's there's everything you ever want or you know password or any any of that stuff like mm-hmm. there's so much i mean and virus like right they just put it behind this large paywall mm-hmm. um but like a lot of these other sites that are more friendly to researchers like uh don't Mm-hmm. And that's that's the trade-off though, right? Like is that you sit there exposing a lot of people's informations also like for like link caching like caching and whatnot a lot of these have super personally identifiable information like plain text emails and tokens and mm-hmm. All this kind of stuff that if you and they all since they all come from the same place all the same URLs like um, I know I've seen some like movie theaters and like all this kind of stuff that sends out promotional emails, but you know, they'll or receipts even like you can find receipts, and the receipts contain you know personally identifiable information, of course. Hmm. Um, and so there's like a lot of stuff like that. Anything that comes from an email you know, has that unique URL in it, hmm. uh, and it's you know there bars no off because they think by the nature of you getting it in your email, you're the person obviously that it was meant for. So there's a lot of really really uh, bad stuff there.
9: Yeah. What about uh
2: like is there a magic vendor box that like people put in networks to just you know ship their email off to uh VT and then just be like oh yeah this doesn't this PDF that was uh confidential is, doesn't contain you know a
1: dropper or anything yeah Yeah. It's, there's so, just so much of it that uh, right it's once again it's just why do anything like just ship everything else out just ship everything out. <laughs> Uh, and don't don't think about where it's going or what the other people are doing with it they're providing you a service right so be thankful
3: yeah I was gonna say it definitely gets like sketchy with like a lot of like a third party like endpoint like protection and like email protection like third party sites that you know probably realistically a lot of those people are gonna be using things like that as the back end with no regard to the fact that they might be sending like the CEOs, like, you know, medical records, you know, over to uh Fire's total for some random person to pick out.
2: Um, yeah. In that scenario though, that's like, uh, there was a job I was on where the uh, the printer was using just Gmail without an application password as the SMTP gateway.
6: No, so,
2: Yeah. The uh, every single document ever that had ever been scanned in that um, office that was obviously, things that shouldn't have been out. We're just sitting in the sandbox forever. So if you replace Gmail with like, you know, one of these endpoint security fucking SMTP scanners um, and that's shipping off to somewhere like BT, then you get all kind of good stuff.
5: Uh, When I used to do regular purpose IT shit, I worked for a copier company that uh, when you can first start scanning docs like to network and stuff and it was client server, the whole kind of thing. And man, they would just leave that shit just sitting on those open shares accessible to anybody forever. ever. Uh, I sit back and think about that and cry sometimes.
6: <laughs>
5: <laughs> and
2: um, maybe I should have looked at it closely. No, no, that would be bad. Maybe I should right. have looked at it. No, no, that'd be bad.
5: Plain text, unauthed, just, Hey, here, have a share of everything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love FTP.
3: Speaking of things to make you cry, this is a really cool, uh, report of this. Oh, not a cool, uh, not cool in the news that it brings, but just cool in the way that they did all this. So, um, this is a article called huge Sur- survey of firmware finds no security gains in 15 years. And so, <laughs> um, this, uh, cyber independent testing lab, um, had gone through and audited, it seemed like they're talking about 3 billion or 3 million, 3 million sounds more like it, binaries um, from vendors in um, different firmware, IoT, embedded systems, um, and they just basically audited all this code, which to me, first off, that's pretty ridiculous and amazing of just being able to, to analyze that many binaries for vulnerabilities at scale but the the results from it of a time based um like how many vulnerabilities were either patched or reintroduced into the code um it seems like nothing has gotten any better like anytime that there's something that's fixed there's another thing that's broken and it's it just gets scary after a while when you think about these are things that are in our houses that are that we use you know like routers and
2: these these stats are like absolutely not surprising at all. Like I mean, I'm, oh, no. I'm a, a fair bit of like ubiquity fucking around. Like and uh stack guards 1.53 percent ASLR 3.6 percent. Yeah, you know it's just so low. But then you look at microtik or microtik how we say it, it's supposed to be like really good. Like stack guards zero ASLR none. Fortify source <laughs> not at all.
3: Never used oh, it.
2: Never. Yeah. Ellie, non-executable stack, almost nothing for everyone, except for a which looks pretty good. But yeah, yeah, know, build NAS- NASAs and stuff. At they they do have that
3: one flag in their uh, in their Make file. <laughs> 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 That's what saved them? <laughs> they had it from the get go. That's the thing though that they're talking about is that that the reason why they're they're saying that a lot of these um these things happen is because it's like a it's a problem that starts off like with education on this stuff. Like people that are in school learning don't learn about these kinds of things when they're developing. And it just kind of just goes over. And people, people like it's, it gets surprising to me sometimes when you talk to people that are developers, people who've been developers for a long time, that like trying to explain like a basic vulnerability that you say, hey, you shouldn't do this because of this. And they don't know it. That those kind of things get like really weird, you know. And it's like you don't you don't want to be like, oh, like you're an idiot, because like if they never were exposed to it, then how would they have ever known? But at the same time, like how are you never exposed to this? Like it's literally like people have been like, how long has ASLR been a thing? You know, yeah. like how long has that been built into like pretty much every compiler? All these different these different things they were testing for are built into compilers. Most of them are automatic in a lot of in a lot of compilers as well. You know.
2: So Plus it's the um, the hardware, like the the CPUs that a lot of a lot of the or MCUs, like a lot of them are running, uh, you know like old MIPS stuff. Yeah, stuff.
3: But, but I mean, still, there are these kinds of things, though. Like, I guess as far as as just like like good like build practices, like even like good like like I don't know. I just it just seems like I, I don't. It's hard to, to understand sometimes how like nobody thought about like testing it for for overflows or
2: yeah I, know, I, mean, or I, can, I can remember in like 2006 or 2005 um, there were these D link, like I oh, mean I can't remember what, they were, what what the model was there were ADSL modems that were just like you know USB only like no they weren't routers at all and uh, there was a bug in um, the NAT table and when the NAT table would grow a bunch like, like past a certain size, like mm-hmm. the whole thing would just lock up, was straight memory corruption and so anybody and it had upnp like enabled as well well actually no way this was the router model sorry my bad and um and yeah like once the once the nat table would, would grow past a certain size the thing would just lock up like straight memory corruption so mm-hmm. somebody opens a torrent client router dead mm-hmm. like and did nobody think like into that and go like hmm, why would that happen like no one give, gave a shit just like oh okay just don't open a torrent client <laughs> <That's the best laughs> advisory. yeah um, uh, i don't know it's it's not surprising but one of the things i like about embedded linux about working with um like research on on those types of devices is that it's like the 90s all over again
3: yeah, yeah
2: like stuff that you like that is difficult on on regular pcs now is like mad easy on a router
3: it's like stuff that's not even on the OSCP, like of how old some of the bugs are. It's like, I don't know. It it definitely is an interesting thing. And I suggest, like, I think it was Femto Duino who came on and he had asked a bunch of questions about what sort of security measures do security people think that IoT should actually implement. And he had a thread somewhere. Um, I'll have to find it and post it. But it was about, you know, it was people like offering suggestions about like different like classes of bugs that should just be like squashed and like simple solutions for it you know for the most part i mean a lot of this stuff definitely is not something that is easy if you have a if you have an old code base it's like you know pushing like 10 15 years and you're still developing on it if you have your own custom kernel if you have all these different things it's definitely very difficult to refactor and i yeah. wouldn't say that that's a that's something that's an easy thing to do or that they're stupid for not doing it if they're a small company too but it's just one of those things where like i don't know i just feel like there needs to be better like like standards that can be followed by companies to just be able to have a framework or something to pull from where they can get best practices from rather than just stitching together like 10 years worth of like stack exchange and stack overflow answers
2: well, you can look at like uh, the open uh, OpenWRT build chain anyway, and like you can look at that, and you can get a lot of good hints from that. Uh, but if anybody did want to start looking, like if you got an old router that's hanging around, and you're like, "Oh, that's something I should look at," um, follow some guides on finding JTAG because you'll probably almost definitely find it, um, yeah. and then you can use a combination of Open OCD and uh, GDB multi-arch and then start fuzzing shit. Like, <laughs> Set a breakpoint and wait. Like <laughs> EIP will be forty-one. Like,
5: uh, yeah. That would be an awesome sticker. Set a breakpoint and wait. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's literally
3: that's that's it. That's all you gotta do. Um, speaking of breakpoint. Shout everybody's playing flare on with us, or at least playing flare on and just vaguely hitting each other. Um, if anybody's playing fire eyes flare on, um. So, yo, the next thing here um, is Ian here? Coldwater? I
9: don't see uh, What's up? Oh,
3: <laughs> cool name. Um. Well,
9: it, it is theoretically possible that another Coldwater might come online at some point, at which point my name makes no sense. So, I'm going to be Gen 1. And if there's a Gen 2 at some point, you know why.
3: That is cool. OK. Nice. So, um, the next be one here is about uh, some flaws in Kubernetes. Um, this is, I, I only. I only briefly added or saw this after I added it right before I pushed out the show notes, but this is a ping flood and a reset flood uh, on um, Kubernetes.
9: To be real, they're flaws in Go. And I think everybody's blaming them on flaws in Kubernetes, but they're, they're Go flaws that affect Kubernetes as I understand.
3: Okay. okay. Cause <laughs> I was looking at this and like ping flood. Like this is like the thing that people who write like booter dot bat and like, <laughs> created on hack forms think DDoSing is and like this is actually a, a, an implementation of it where you can just do this thing flooding on this would actually work um, yeah
9: I so, mean to be real Golang is a mess it is a hot ass mess like the only reason why we have not found them all yet is because people just haven't found them all yet you know like
2: come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, that's interesting though There was another Kubernetes uh, advisory, like earlier in the week, that was like deleting all the stats from, uh, I can't can't find the thread right now.
9: There's been a few CVEs that have come down the pike in Kubernetes in the last couple of weeks. And some of them have been sort of repeats of previous CVEs that they just keep repatching because of reasons. And uh, some of them are like, you know, Kubernetes or KubeCTL, CP, like, is like the docker cp phone that came up a while ago and they're like zombie phones that just keep coming back yeah this is a
2: uh, cube state metrics 172 just got a CVE.
9: oh yeah that one too i
2: don't think it's that exciting though i think yeah like delete them stats oh no hackers
9: the one about namespaces was pretty sweet um but i don't know if that got covered in a previous show i haven't been here in a few weeks.
3: Uh I put it in there in the notes. We never got to it. Uh, I never feel enough authority to talk about command, So
9: fair enough. Uh I'm I'm no good to do good tech talk tonight though. Oh
1: it's okay. Totally fine. Um <laughs> congrats on uh getting married by the way.
9: Hey thanks. That was fun. <laughs>
1: um yo so the next
3: one here, um this sounds like it's straight out of Dollar VPN Clubs playbook. Um, this is criminals use uh, fake NordVPN website to deliver a banking Trojan. Um, yeah, I guess if you are somebody who uses NordVPN and also Windows um, and somehow came in contact with the website, um, NordVPN.club <laughs> was used to distribute a banking Trojan. It's a pretty good replica of NordVPN. Um, it is was this awesome.
2: a military-grade uh, banking Trojan?
4: <laughs> yes, it's sophisticated. Five D encrypted. Damn. Definitely yeah. recommended by CNET and PC Editor's Choice. <laughs> yeah, it's just a lot of it's, it's just a song, and that's the encryption.
3: Um. So yeah, no, it's um, it seems to be is this as Yeah, it's it's just some common um banking Trojan, but it is uh being distributed by this. So watch out, and if you know anybody who uses VPN, no VPN. I'll uh, know about that too. Um, Maybe they should switch to Dollar
1: VPN Club. <laughs>
3: <laughs> A big shout out to uh, Katz, had shared uh, his entry in uh, Tribe of Hackers Red Team that states that uh, Dollar VPN Club is the reason he's never gotten busted. Um, cool stuff. Oh, so the next one here, too, um, pretty cool, was the uh, person that released the uh, first public jailbreak for an up to date iPhone in years. Um, this is due to a f- bug that was patched and then unpatched uh, in a new version of iOS, which <laughs> to be able to
2: to uh, um, jailbreak their phones. Uh, the regression from on to 12.3 point something to twelve point four.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't have any. Um, well, I do have like a Apple product, but I'm not too up to date on the different versions of iOS, but. Um, yeah, I guess it's pretty cool, though, that there's a new jailbreak. But also, at the same time, you are on that version that could lead you to some pretty nasty exploits. Can anybody speak any more to this than I can?
2: <laughs> i wondering why I, they didn't take the $2 million. Not from Apple. Well, does it really count, though, if
3: they reintroduce the same bug? It seems like more of their mistake. I don't know. Like, do you get money for pointing it out? I mean...
2: I guess it's a new. If it's a new version, it's a new bug. I mean, it's not a. It's not really a dupe. If the code regresses, like I don't know, if, if it makes it into a new release. Yeah,
3: who knows? But if you are looking to make your phone, <laughs> uh, go for
1: it. Yeah, that's definitely my first thought. I was like, damn. Like, did this get turned away for you know, for money somewhere? <laughs> or. Uh, I'm like damn like i don't know like i appreciate like don't get me wrong i appreciate people releasing my stuff like this to the public but also like i would have thought you could have had a, a pretty decent chunk of money for that yeah
2: A
3: dark web deal gone bad
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> some of my favorite tweets are like uh like stefanessa uh just tweeting anything like just unrelated and then there's like some Nigerian guy who's like stop give out jailbreak because I need to make money
5: <laughs> like, and you're like what <laughs> you're taking kid out of my kid's mouths who I'm trying to sell on the street
2: yeah it's like you'll <laughs> like, be talking about like something totally fucking different look at yeah. me I am root now <laughs>
3: The um, so last new story that we have of, the, of our section here is uh, this backdoor in Webmin, which is pretty cool. This has been in, in Webmin for a year. I wonder who may have exploited it at some point. Um, but, yeah, this is awesome. This is a – if a, the admin had enabled a password expiry policy on their Webmin instance, then you could send a request to Webmin with a pipe and then a command <laughs> – just like straight up old old style um command injection it's yeah it's been in there for a year um and it was uh presented at defcon
2: this is a great stack i I love these stacks like apache bind MySQL, php and xm (laughs) they just put it all in one box it's cool
1: the I thought the hacked version of the code was pretty subtle. Like looking at the diff between the hacked version and the legit version, it mm-hmm. was right there, but but it was still pretty subtle. I thought it was good work. It was good bad work, I guess.
3: Yeah, no, because this, yeah. this Webin has said that this was compromised build infrastructure. So whoever did it definitely did a good job of injecting some of their own malicious code um, into their build process.
9: Build infrastructure is really underrated in terms of how much fun stuff can be done with it. Yeah. And that is all I'm going to say about that.
8: <laughs> because it's Damn. so dangerous. It has all the privs and everybody ignores it.
2: Yep. Yeah. I think as well with like uh like CI C D chains, like uh, the artifact that comes out is just like trusted. Like, yeah, pass the tests. The code, <laughs> code that we controlled went in and the thing that came out passed the tests. Good. Like, okay. That's all you need.
3: yeah it's it, it gets real scary when you see uh shodan or google dorks and there's also been a bunch of jenkins rces in general but the amount of stuff that already just unauthenticated where you can change build pipelines it's pretty scary so uh yeah if you have jenkins or anything like this um please
0: don't
2: yeah the jenkins uh the jenkins mailing list is pretty good like every time there is like a a plugin that you know has like a container escape or like a build escape, like some kind of command injection or whatever like they they do regularly put out um advisories telling mm. you to hurry up and patch
8: so yeah. if you yeah.
2: if you're the guy that runs the jenkins you should probably subscribe to that
1: like i always say jenkins is my favorite rce platform
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: rce as a
1: service.
3: um Hey, so that was all we have for the news. Um, We should definitely take a little break uh, before we get into our main topic, um, which is mental health for hackers. So everyone here, uh, I guess we'll take like five, ten minutes or so to uh, chill for a bit, and then we'll be back. Um, Definitely tweet out our uh, stream, and if you have any questions um, for the chat, definitely get them ready so that we can all um, have a nice chat. So Do you want to uh, turn on the break music show?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get it. One second here. Be back soon. (laughs) Hello, friends. That's weird.
5: Doesn't Echo. Oh,
3: we're
0: back? We're back. Hey.
3: Hello everybody, uh, we...
9: just,
3: uh, someone in the chat, just make sure you can hear us, just type yes.
5: Type in your social security number.
1: <laughs>
5: type yes and then social security number. Okay, someone said right. no, so
2: <laughs> I'm going to put my password in there,
3: there we go. <laughs> Yo, so we're back. Um, So now we can begin our topic of mental health for hackers. Um, So we're joined here by a lot of people. Um, It's really awesome. A lot of people that aren't normally on the show. A lot of people with good uh, resources and experience. And so I'm really excited to have a vision. So basically, we have a couple of topics that we kind of wanted to go over. And I guess we can just sort of like put some of them out there and then just sort of uh, lamp on them for a bit. So um, I guess the reason why we did this show is because a lot of people that we know needed to uh, sort of assess various aspects of their own well-being, and it's it's really important. It gets really important for people who are in our situation, in our positions, where we do a lot of work that is very intricate and abstract, and we interact with people that you know have uh, different degrees of uh, anonymity and just all sorts of other external factors that are not common amongst a lot of people in the general population. So it makes it really, really important for people who are uh, hackers, programmers, developers um, to really remember that when they approach these uh, problems that they might have and kind of give themselves a bit more credit and also um, tailor things to work with their lifestyles better. So you're somebody who works from home a lot there's other challenges you have, if you're somebody who does stuff that's uh, you know, confidential or under a lot of NDAs, um, there's a lot of additional supports you might need for that. So yeah, I, I kind of wanted to just have everybody here who is, you know, has a, a, come from a bunch of different backgrounds, a bunch of different, uh, I guess, neurodiverse backgrounds as well, to sort of just be able to discuss all these topics and, and talk about their experiences with them as well as any sort of tools or resources they might have user develops to uh, help them. So with that, uh, I guess we can jump right into the first one we have here, which is uh, isolation. So has anybody here ever feel isolated?
5: Uh, uh, yes.
6: <laughs> uh,
5: <laughs> yeah, man. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of weird too. Because a lot of us, you know, spend a lot of time at different cons and and, and seeing a lot of people, some of us travel for our jobs or blah, blah, blah. I mean, you could be around 8 billion people all of the time and still feel completely isolated because of just the shit that's going on in your head or or where You're just you're so hyper focused on that and it's not getting better. Um, when in fact, like you're around all these people and that might be the best time to go talk to people, but you don't want to, right. Mm-hmm. I've definitely be at, been at cons like pre-therapy and pre-meds and stuff. Um, and just like, I decided, well, everybody hates me and I'm awful and I'm going to go up in my room and waste my entire weekend. Like that's a thing. And that's, that's your brain fucking with you. So yeah, I've had it. Yep. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, I work, I've worked from home, um, like the only person in my city in, in in the role like a bunch of times for multiple years. And sometimes like, you know, uh, there'll be a security meetup that's a bunch of my like real life friends. They're like, come out, come have beer. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, maybe fucking be bothered. Then the time comes and I don't go and I'm like, I'll okay, go next month. And then I realize, like I haven't seen anybody that I give a shit about in real life, like not on Slack or somewhere for like, you know, a month. Um, and that happens. Yeah. I, noticed,
8: I noticed the same problem just after uh, DEF CON, Black Hat. There were a lot of people who were like, man, I wish I had left my uh, room and gone and seen some people. And uh, it's it's hard to tell whether that's a result of um, not being invited to go places or if it's just like the environment it just sucks all the energy out of you. Both are totally valid reasons to not go out. But yeah, if, if it's because you're not getting invited places, I think there is something that we can all do about that. Yeah. The worst, the worst part about that
5: is that you, you'll isolate yourself because of that and not go out and people will wonder where you are. And then later when you do the playback and like you know your own after action, you just feel worse because it happened again. I missed out again. And it, it, it's this continuous feeding cycle um, that just never gets better.
1: Yeah, it's bringing so out feedback always, is, like, a, a really important thing to, like, figure out how to do. And, like, figure, like um, someone was talking about, like, what's called thought stopping, right? And it's just uh, it's putting, like, putting yourself in a mindset that, like, allows you to, like, actually stop thinking about, like, a specific thing.
2: I think with like defcon and stuff as well like one vegas just sucks the life out of anyone that goes there like <laughs> hackers are not like n- mental health or not like the- vegas will suck the life out of you uh, but when it comes to like events and parties like if you think you're not invited like you, it's not it's more of a case of like nobody's really invited anywhere uh just go and yeah if you feel like that you're not invited like it's not because anybody specifically didn't invite you it's more of a case of if you're not welcome someone will let you know but otherwise you should go and do everything you can um and try and just like keep that in mind that just because you didn't get the plus i doesn't mean that you're not invited
8: and that's and that's where the introversion aspect comes in i think like i i had to battle through that for a number of years understanding that just because you're not invited somewhere doesn't mean that you can't just show up (laughs) Yes, definitely. but but, you're, but it's always going to be get, trying to get over that wall of like, oh, then I have to talk to people, and are they going to hate me, and is this going to be just stressful for me? I mean, it's going to be stressful either way if you're going to harp on it internally later.
3: Yeah, I, I think the a, a thing that I've tried to tie back to, to it for myself and for others when I talk to them that are in similar situations to us is... When you think about, say, not being invited places or not doing something, like not having that like initial cue that you would normally want to take for a normal, I guess, situation where you're, you know, initiated to invited to do something or take an action. Just think about all the times that you weren't invited to like log into something, or weren't invited to scan something, or weren't invited to uh, break into something. I mean, those are things that people that are, I guess. I don't know, it seems like you have, you're have you a bit more fearless with when you're online, you know? And it's just like a similar tactic can be taken, though, where if you say to yourself, like, oh, I can do this, and let me explore this sort of aspect of things rather than always being afraid of the consequences. Because sometimes when you take those risks, it's, it's again, easier to do it when you're, you know, it's online. But taking those risks is something that is really important that, you I know, mean, I definitely can can see myself getting kind of like locked into like, Oh, I maybe I shouldn't do this. And then, you know, I don't do something when it was perfectly fine for me to do so. And I would have done the same thing like in any other situation, if it wasn't a social thing. So yeah, I don't know. I try to just tie it back to like computers.
2: <laughs> That's pretty funny. Like, you know, sitting at home, taking like massive risk like, you know, some people, I'm not speaking on anyone's behalf, but there's people who will sit at home and, like literally commit crimes and break into stuff, but they're worried about, like, you know, the worst outcome of that is you go to jail. The worst outcome of going and seeing some people in real life is kind of like, they don't like you. and Like, they're like, <laughs> like so crime. what? Maybe you don't like them. <laughs> like yeah.
0: Does it really matter? Yeah, I'm but cool. when you have like a level head to think about it though, it's definitely not that expensive of like a emotional tax on you. But it's only like it's only when you have that hindsight to think about it though, you're actually in the moment. You mm-hmm. just get that that rap of the isolation, you're thinking about it, it's the echo chamber in your head. That's it's just such a hard process to break. Yeah.
9: And for those of us with sensory issues, I mean, Vegas in particular is, is so overstimulating and like crazy. Mm. Like it, you know, it, there's so many lights, there's so many noises, there's so many people around. And like, I think that can create a certain level, like mental stress load Mm. that isn't necessarily there if you're hanging out by yourself on the computer. Yeah. 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 Just want to, just want to put that in there to shout out to the people who are like, who really have a difficult time with that as somebody who does have a difficult time with that.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
10: That's
8: definitely
10: true. Thank you. Cool. Same here with the auroral and loud environments and lights completely wrecking. What little social graces I might have.
3: <laughs> yeah, so tying into this, though, the next topic that we had on here, we can return to this too at any time, but the the next thing that we had on here was about prioritization and work-life balance, which is like something that I know a lot of you, including myself in here, have an incredibly hard time with and this ties into the isolation aspect too where when you already are feeling isolated and you feel a bit detached from everything and the only thing that you can really do I guess that would make you feel that sort of like serotonin boost of like uh, you know feeling like you're productive or doing something or worth something is to continue to work on projects or work on work things and the isolation aspect like plays into it because we all tend to, to isolate ourselves to do something that like, you can't really like, there's, there are situations where you can do things collaboratively, but the actual like units of work that you do tend to be alone in that still because you're not going to be like on the same keyboard as somebody typing, you know, it's not a CSI. Um, but with the, enhance it it's um it's, it definitely gets really tough though because then once you get into the habit of being isolated and into the habit of not really going out not really making any new friends not really like talking to people in person or going outside um, you know then it becomes the only thing that you know how to do is to work on stuff and then it's something that I have struggled with more than like anything is putting down work um, because of that and not being able to pull myself away and I don't know if you have any. anybody here has any suggestions on what they've done to try to be able to break that, like, insane, like, laser hyper focus and actually, like, do, like, not only healthy things, but just, like, things that are required of you throughout the day. It's how do you remember to
1: fun.
3: eat? <laughs> yeah, remembering how to eat, remembering how to drink water, take a shower, go to sleep, like basic stuff sometimes and it's like it seems so silly when you talk about it that people you're like just stop but it's, it's it's compounded with a bunch of other things
6: I've tried doing a bullet journal and they just don't take
5: <laughs> hold on oh, so real quiet. 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 that was Amanda
6: sorry uh, hold on. can you hear me any better
5: yeah there you go
6: Yeah. project uh, yes I've, I've tried doing like a bullet journal and they just don't seem to help I don't know how people do it <laughs> I I mean, keeping in a routine, I think helps me, but it has to be simple. Otherwise I'll skip it.
5: My, my thing is, um, and this works for a lot. This works for whether I have like technical projects I have to work on or like fucking anything. If I just start something and sometimes it's hard just to start it. But like, if I say, I'm going to do this for 10 minutes, like, fuck it. Let me just do it. I hate it. Like this sucks. I'll end up doing it for three hours, right? Like uh, I will then have turned off whatever the technical shit, the work shit that I have to do. Um, and then once you, so there's a really great book that before, before this whole thing is over that I want to plug cause it really helped me. Uh, it's called the power of habit. Um, I forget the dude that wrote it, but it's on Amazon. It's fantastic. It's worth every penny. Um, and it's, you know, you do that once, and then like, it sucks a little bit less the second time, third time. And all of a sudden you have this thing like, shit, I have to go do dishes. Uh, and now, Oh, like, I got to clean this thing. And all of a sudden, like you're productive, you've gotten things done and it's not uh, the, the technical shit and it's, it's building those habits. So if I could un- only recommend one book to anybody that hears this, it's the power of habit. Oh
7: yeah. I mean,
2: you can look at like, uh, like getting things done as well where like, you know as part of your task list do the dishes put that in there drink some like you know one thing might be, you know, analyze this binary and then also do the dishes and as you work through it's like all right prioritization of things i have to do analyze this binary take is going to take me like two hours and do the dishes is going to take me 10 minutes so i'm going to go do that
9: i'm going to break roll as the usual ray of sunshine in here and be like i hate gtd as a system For the same reason, actually, that I have not fallen in love with bullet journaling because as an ADHD person, I am inclined toward hyperfocus and I will happily hyperfocus all day long on creating a system for myself to not hyperfocus anymore. And at the end of that day, I will have a system and nothing will have gotten done. (laughs)
8: Like if I don't have enough time to hyperfocus in a day,
1: I go funny. There's a balance that's needed there.
6: Yeah.
0: I found what's really helped me when I like have trouble organizing my thoughts. For me, really, I get really scatterbrained and I'll think, oh, I have 10 items I need to do right now, but I know next week I'm going to want to do all this and I know where I want to be in six months. So if for me, I get really stressed out just trying to think of all the things that I'm trying to balance and get done because... There's so much to do and there's so little time. Like you're only alive and working for so long and you want to do it all. I found for me like an agile system, like I, I use a lot of sticky notes and I've got like a dedicated whiteboard. I put all of my stuff on a uh, grid whiteboard system that helps me keep track of what needs to be done and when I need to prioritize things. I don't know how it works for me really easily, uh, but other people, they do prefer things like Trello.
2: Yeah, so, as well, as like, if you look at the thi- um, the, the amount of, like you're saying, there's a lot of things that need to be done. Like, I can guarantee you that, like, my list of shit to hack is, like, so backlogged that I will never finish it in my lifetime. So, yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah, that's the same as my forensics backlog. It's like fucking 40 disks, and by the time I get to the halfway through I'm like, shit, what happened with this machine?
8: Yeah. <laughs> Why
2: <did that> <laughs> so, like, you have to remember that, like, no matter how much you hyper focus on something, Like the job is never done. There's always more to do. So you can walk away for like just a minute. Like remember to walk away for just a minute because wherever you're at, you're going to come back and yeah, you might finish this task, but there's so many more tasks after that. It's just an, it's an unimaginable amount. And that will happen for the rest of your life.
1: Uh, I just dropped a link in chat about that's called the Pomodoro technique. And it's a timer timer for like 30 minutes. And uh then at end of the 30 minutes, you have five minutes, you get up, you walk around, stretch, you maybe
5: like do the dishes, whatever, and then go back and set it again. That, that's been remarkably effective for me. Like I had a good productivity, like two or three months doing that. Um and like there's an app that you can get if you're on Mac or whatever, and I'm sure there's other ones for other systems.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, it's I nice to have that, that built in. Yeah, it's nice to have that built in, right? Like reminder, because like you're not going to remind yourself like Obviously, like everyone tends like towards that sort of hyper-focus thing, and like it is unfortunate to you know maybe like feel like you don't like getting in the flow of something or whatever. Uh, but you know it is important, and also it's the same thing as like how many times if, like at least I know I've been coding something and I've just haven't been able to figure it out, and then I take a break and I come back to it, and it's like it's clear as day, but you just get so like stuck in. Uh, like one mode of thinking and like trying to look at something one way that uh, yeah, you get tunnel visioned and that five minutes away might help like break that sort of cycle too. So
6: mm-hmm.
1: not for everyone, but it's, it's, something that I would recommend a lot of people try.
10: I get a similar while playing video games, but it also applies well to technical. I just try to like
1: acknowledge it instead
10: of like bounce my head against the wall for hours. I mean, that's one of the reasons
2: I actually vape, i used to smoke but like not anymore but this for the same reason was that uh you you like go outside like i never smoked in the house it's like you go outside to do that like i never smoked when i was at home either it was always at work um yeah it's like walk away and then come back so
3: i have a point to bring up that, that hermit actually brought up it's really important to this too is the problem of taking yourself seriously and taking your priorities seriously because we all have the ability to hyper-focus literally forever. But the when you have things to do, like let's say you have a time-sensitive thing that you have to do during the day, like say make a call to a doctor or um, pay a bill or things like that, right? How do you um, or how does anybody in here, um, I guess, deal with, with that ability to write something down, know you have to do it, and then also be able to pull yourself away enough to be able to just do it because most of the time the things that people avoid the things that I avoid things that you know a lot of people I know avoid are things that are really simple like I did something that I I did a couple things that I had just been in my backlog of that were actually of critical importance and I did a bunch of them today and it took me five minutes and I was like kind of mad at myself that I hadn't done these things when it took me five minutes to do um, it had been in the back of my head, like weighing on me, making me feel guilty for not doing them, too. So I don't know. I know it's a problem that people have. Um, I don't know if anybody has any suggestions for that.
9: There's an app called Do, D-U-E, um, in, on iOS. I don't know if they make it for Android, and I cannot vouch for its security in any way whatsoever. But it's a two-to-do list app that, like, its main feature is that it will bother you forever. Um, so if you hit, you know, no on it or clear or whatever, it will just keep bugging you until you actually clear it. And I found that remarkably helpful, weirdly enough. Just like, literally, it will keep peeping at me until <laughs> until I get it to leave me alone.
3: <laughs> so that's something that Hermit and I were talking about the other day, was just printing out small pictures of related to things that we need to do and just putting them in front of our computer screens, like or like right on top of them. So we remember like, okay, I have to like pick up my prescriptions or I have to take out the trash today, like a picture of a trash bag, just to like literally like visually remind us because I think one of the hardest things about the prioritization aspect is that everything comes in in a notification now. So everything comes from the same source, whether it be like a critical like work alert or email or like a stupid spam email or like some app that you forgot about that like suddenly like wants to listen to your microphone. Like everything just comes from the same source, you know, like either your phone or your desktop notification. But I feel like there's so many of them but sometimes you just like If you have an app that's notifying you, you just clear it like every other thing, you know?
8: I was going to make a joke about developing a memento-based like, mnemonic system where you use Polaroids for short-term memory and tattoos on your arm for long-term tasks, but then the moment passed and now it's back again. So there you go. You should do that.
10: (laughs) Yo, I'm with that. I write notepads and put them in Ziploc bags and go back to them. And then, like, if I'm able to cross something out, hype as hell.
2: So um, we should probably expand on the, like, life balance part of this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, what about people who have, like, families and kids? I don't have any kids. Um, so I don't, you know, I can focus for, like, all night and there's not a baby crying. There's not some kid that needs a lunch or a school or something, you know. So
9: we just people- don't sleep. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, that is the answer. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's it. We I don't know. sleep and then when they get big enough, they hyperfocus themselves. Right. <laughs> yep.
2: You sit there like Ross, not speaking like, awesome. all night, hyperfocusing together.
9: Mm-hmm. No, honestly, I'm not kidding at all. <laughs>
5: Yeah, I mean, at, at least for me, so my, my son's four by now uh, and he's getting pretty self-sufficient. Like he'll just go fuck off and do whatever he wants. Um, but when he was younger, yeah, that's a real concern. But at least I know for me, it was kind of like, that was, that was one of my like true Norths, right? Like, so if I don't get my shit together, God knows what I'm going to like imprint onto him with my shit. So he actually made me try harder. Uh, to, to do that. But yeah, it's you, uh, we talked, we talked a little bit about like how you prioritize your time and stuff. Um, that is the priority. I know at least for me. So how do you prioritize prioritizing like the most priority uh, and then shutting off all your other shit while you pay attention to your family and, and spend that time with them because that time goes by like that. So I um,
6: started to leave my phone at home on the weekends.
5: Yeah. Which, I used to lock, lock mine in the cabinet. So-
6: extremely difficult because it used yeah. to be just i was on it all not all the time but like just working 24 7 because i mean i have flexible hours so i feel like i should be working all the time uh but yeah it was like you know your kids are only young for so long i mean i have three and one's leaving the house next year so yeah i needed more time not in front of a screen
1: what about for people without kids, how often do you guys go and do stuff outside that doesn't involve <laughs> computer? You, wait, you can do uh, that. Or,
6: or what do you do, too? Yeah. What kind of stuff do you like to do like that isn't computer-related?
1: That's, That's a good, good question.
0: Do you find that having children makes it easier to get distracted in non-computer things?
6: uh what I, think think, I think it helps me get involved more in non-computer things like sports and school activities and whatever their interests are now are my interests
9: sorry all uh, of them? Jump in. oh go ahead oh i don't know that that's parent talk i'm sorry
6: <laughs> no not 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 all they not no not all of them but i have to at least pretend <laughs> fair enough <laughs> at least for the younger ones <laughs> until they <I> realize <laughs>
10: so i just wanted to babble quick i have seen people in our chat talk about uh physical exercise being really helpful for that like endorphin rush disconnect like pull you the hell out of whatever's consuming you and let you just like feel like a human and maybe think outside of like your anxiety for a minute
4: i second yeah for
1: sure it's
4: actually the most helpful it can be unhealthy to a point when you keep doing it because it can start destroying your body and you start doing that whole atrophy thing. But usually if if I'm feeling like a super anxious day, I'll do like a freaking six-mile run. And even during the winter when I can't run outside because it's like negative three, I usually just do like freaking cardio boxing. Just the uh, contact of pretty much the pretty much actually punching something and then also the pain of working out is usually a good way to pretty much get your mind off stuff.
6: Helps with serotonin too. Yeah, uh, for sure.
1: And even if you're not super in shape or fit or something like there's always some, there's always a, a little bit you can do, right? Like, uh, like I oh, get a, yeah. Walk. Or, uh, if you're, you know, not, not that, you know, it's good to leave your house, but there's also like exercise bikes and that kind of stuff that are, you know, low impact. You don't have to necessarily like leave or go somewhere. If it's cold outside, if it's raining or whatnot, like you don't have that built in excuse of, Oh, it's, you know, too hot, too cold, etc. cetera.
5: Yeah, uh, that becomes, I know, at least for me, so I, I do, and it's the only time I'll say this uh, out loud on the stream is I do CrossFit and I'm not going to bother you guys about it again because that's the meme. Uh, but like that shit, that is chemical, right? That, yeah, like you just—you you just can't help but feel a l- at least a little bit better from it. Um, yeah, she'll be exhausted if you haven't done it for a while or whatever, but like even just the least bit of activity is might be like that chemical kick that's why some of us are on like zoloft and antidepressants and shit to get that chemical assist uh you can get that from that man it doesn't have to be something as intense as crossfit or fucking whatever but um just a little bit of movement will do wonders
2: yeah, there's a lot of things like just on the mention of uh chemical help as well there's other there's you know vitamins and, and diet and stuff that can help you as well um, you know, like five htp l tryptophan and like b twelve and stuff like that as well. So can also help in the production of serotonin without having to go down the whole uh, straight antidepressant path.
9: But also, if you need to go down the antidepressant path, there's no shame in that, and you shouldn't feel bad about it. Like there's I feel like a lot of like the like, oh, you could take vitamins and get sunshine and and exercise, but like if your brain needs it, your brain needs it. like don't don't stress about that.
5: You have enough to stress.
6: I am, I am all for all of it medication
2: oh yeah I, i was just pointing out that there's like uh options like because a lot of people uh may go to a doctor and get prescribed uh like there's a lot of different antidepressants on the market and a lot of them are um maybe not that great for you um yeah
6: and they all affect everyone differently because doctors don't actually know what's going to work, so they just throw medicine at it to see Oof. what's going to work for you.
5: Do you guys want to hear a medication yes. story real quick? Yes. Go for it. Okay, and we're we're going to hit this later because this is this is down in the, our, our bullet points or whatever. But about going and finding help, right? And I learned the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist in the shittiest way possible. Uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to go try uh, a psychiatrist first. And so I found it when I was doc doc. Um, I ended up going into this building in the fucking sub basement in like these rundown little office things. And behind this desk was, was a woman who never got up, probably didn't call me by my name that I can remember. She did not make eye contact with me the entire time. It was, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. 15 minutes and she handed me just a box of stuff and she was like start with one and then start taking two and then I'll call me in a month and I was like oh oh." like I don't know call me crazy with my analyst brain but something seems fucky here Um, and didn't take the time to fucking even listen to what I was saying she just shoved a box of meds in my face and that was it had I not actually had the wherewithal to go try again like how many people are fucking being subjected to that that is awful yeah
1: Yeah. and it's like you could bet like this that box of medicine like that was what that person was going to give you regardless regardless like it didn't matter what you said like that was what you're going to get like i was getting the same thing if
5: i was going to be yeah a little sad or i feel like killing a bunch of people here take these
1: yeah that's something
3: that's definitely difficult when you're somebody who might do a bit of research before as well of um, being just mistrustful of the industry. I've had a lot of bad experiences with um, psych stuff and it's it's definitely disheartening. But at the same time too, every time that you have a bad experience doesn't necessarily mean that it's always going to be like that and you have to keep trying um, because there are good people that are in the industry and there are shitty people that are you know, as well. This is every other industry. Um, and it's just something to remember for people who might be mistrustful of doctors or have had bad experiences and have not wanted to go back. Cause I was in that boat for a while.
2: Yeah. I suppose uh, we can probably skip Like, since we're speaking about it now, let's just stick on that bullet point and we'll come back to the other ones. Um, but like you, you did mention the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Right. Um, and I think there is like this, this thing with some of the people who work in infosec in different areas or work, you know, where you can't really talk about what you do. Um, and you, it's sort of like, because after a while it's trained into you to not, uh, disclose certain things. And then you're in a room with a psych, with a, a psychologist and they're asking you questions. And it's kind of like, if you do share just the little bit that you can or, or whatever, I think, I think you're like, you know, is this person actually like crazy? Like, are they crazy, crazy? Like, are they have schizophrenia or something? And they're talking about like all this weird, shady, nation-state type paranoia, like, what is is this real or is this person actually working in this field? And (laughs) I, I don't think a lot of people would ever believe some of the stories that certain InfoSec people, you know, have think about.
0: Yeah, like, I don't deal with any super crazy shit, but just trying to talk about some of the stuff that bothers me. When I got called Mr. Robot by somebody who I was trying to confess my issues to, you just don't want to engage anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's another thing, right? Is that, like, a parano- like that paranoia and, like, that... Ad- like, And the job is adversarial, you know, by default, right? And so it's, like, uh, you spend a lot of the time, like, not exactly in healthy thought cycles. Uh, yeah. and so it's, like, it's hard to, like... Someone can't say, "Oh well, just don't you know, don't think about it," because like literally, like that's that is your days spent being that paranoid dude. <laughs> like that is that is literally <laughs> that's, the job. The your job is to wear the tinfoil hat. Yeah, yeah. You're you're preparing for outside.
4: You know, it's like, sir, have you considered feeling happier? Maybe question mark.
1: But you know
0: what? What I've been thinking about is it obviously can't just be infosec that has these issues. You got first responders military probably even lawyers that are in some really big situations but how is it that there isn't a professional network that is actually uh, i mean obviously there's like HIPAA and privacy rev, uh, re- regulations that prevent your healthcare practitioners from sharing information you disclose with them but you you'd want more confidence in that like some kind of extra NDA or something cuz you never know what's going to happen like you, i know i'd feel more comfortable explicitly laying down the rules like that and you can't say anything but you would think there'd be some kind of network that's just used to dealing with those kinds of people that have such intense problems that the sophistication right. around talking to them about it is well other. there is a- I mean the
9: the poly community and the kink community have you know like listings of like you know poly friendly professionals or like kink friendly professionals and like Nobody, as far as I know, has made a like similar listing of like infosec friendly professionals. But like somebody could do that if they wanted to. It would be a shit ton of work, and I wouldn't want to be the one to do it. But like that could be a thing that people could make.
6: I feel like um, I'm gonna have to add that to my long term vision now.
2: <laughs> as far as Happy I'm aware, down. as far as I'm aware, people who work in certain parts of uh, e crime, so outside of infosec but still computer based crime specifically where they have to review, uh, CP cases, um, you know, working for law enforcement and that kind of thing. Uh, my understanding is that those people as part of their job have mandatory cancel counseling. Um, so after looking at all the horrific evidence that they need to look at, um, there is a you know a period of time that they must take off and then they get evaluated and they, they're given that help, um, for certain departments. But I guess that's that's very that's a little bit outside of the infosec stuff. That's very specific to that sort of e Um and maybe that's some you know something that uh, could be adopted in infosec. Um, I did have an anecdotal thing from someone who wanted to remain anonymous, um, where they had uh, they were doing a job for mobile forensics um, for for car fatalities, I believe, um, and they were basically reading the people's like you know when they're on their phone during a a car accident like their last words um and and stuff like that and uh there was basically no support and they they just straight quit that job because it's incredibly morbid and and horrible uh like you know dfir for people who have who have like who are current like dying in the moment um and at the end of it they weren't even able to actually ascertain uh the information that they were requested to retrieve either so that's yeah, you know, there's some pretty pretty fringe. You know, that's still DFIR stuff, but it's you know crossing over into some some pretty disgusting places um, that nobody really wants to see. But I guess someone has to do the job, right?
0: It's rather unfortunate that it could just get dumped on one person like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that's. I feel like that's somewhere that uh, you would need quite the amount of support to continue. Similarly,
0: uh, apparently YouTube moderators, like there's, or it's not just YouTube, but also Google and search engines, they've got entire teams of people who are exposed to all of the content that gets reported as abuse or whatever. And they just have to look at some of the most vile, gory, abusive shit, whether it's people being killed or animals being tortured or child abuse, whatever it is. These people just get seen all of this shit and they have to click good or bad. And it just fucks with them, just having to consider like, is this good or bad? Yeah, I, I obviously, think, yeah. I like obviously think- it's bad, but you know you, when you're considering it that much, you sort of go crazy, a bit.
2: Yeah, I don't think humans are meant to see any of, if you know, great amounts of that kind of material at all. Like, there's, I don't think anyone's going to come out of that situation unscathed.
0: I mean I know the little amounts of it that I've seen have left me traumatized. I couldn't imagine if my job was seeing it every fucking minute.
4: Yeah, no one no one is immune to that. You can be conditioned for it, you can train for it, but it will bite you in the ass. One of these days it happened to me, so <laughs> you're you're not invincible. So, uh, well, not so speaking from experience, just just wanted to put this little thing out there. Is this coming from a military background? and also, merchant response. A lot of those uh, things that we were talking about are actually having people who actually understand what your backgrounds are, and actually working to actually create like ways for you to cope with what's going on. A lot of those are actually um, they're they're not therapists; they're actually just counselors. So people like in my see where I work pretty much we have a group of volunteers so if there's a critical incident where someone dies or anything like that it's uh, kind of like you'll get a bunch of people who are just coming in who are trained counselors to who pretty much do the, your job that you do but they will actually just kind of help you pretty much actually cope with the fuck just happened and I think that's probably a little more important than actually finding therapies because like we said before we don't trust therapists but give a grain of salt. I would trust a hacker before I trust a therapist again. So at least be a little easier to talk to.
5: Yeah. Th- and that's something that, that I want to call out. Um, you know, speaking of, of like, you know, having it seem like InfoSec or hackers have a, have a higher preponderance of this. Um, it's just that like, we start where we live, right? Like we start talking amongst ourselves because we are who we trust. We wouldn't fucking trust civilians. Like, we trust each other which is why amanda why i desperately want to make sure that that shout out gets for the your your initiative Wait, of, what? Uh, i'm trying to, i'm trying to sing your praises god damn it
6: sorry i wasn't amanda. paying attention
5: <laughs> mental health hackers tell us about it
6: oh yeah so we're coming up on our first year anniversary uh, of just kind of just doing this you know just talking and doing uh, peer support uh, at conferences and in general, but now we have like this big giant vision because we're talking to big sponsors and stuff.
5: Right. So, so. consolidating all of this, which I think is awesome. But mm-hmm. yeah, if, if you're going to talk to somebody, it's going to be other hackers. So like, why not all get together and do it?
6: Yeah. you're, you're covered under your friend DAs when you're talking to friends about it anyways. Uh, You know, we've gotten some shit from people that think, oh, well, you know, I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a psychiatrist or whatever, so I shouldn't be talking to people about their issues. But, I mean, this helps us when you're talking to people that know your background and they know what you have to deal with and they know they are going through the same shit you're going through. Uh, And it's really nice to be able to talk to people that kind of know what's going on, whether they're a professional or not.
1: Uh, that was also something that was really fundamental in the creation of 12-step programs is there wasn't really anything before that. And doctors and people had no idea what to do. And then and then in the creation of the first
4: 12-step program, people found that they got the best help from other people who were in the same situation. It's like AA meetings. Yep. Yep. Um,
3: so the we only have uh, about 15 minutes left do you want to continue talking about uh, like healthy coping skills and getting help and stuff like that or do you want to talk about the other thing we didn't talk about which was imposter syndrome and like self-confidence and things like that
9: I would what love you- to talk about that want to talk about that yeah
3: okay um so yeah I mean I think that's something that like we, we people talk about a lot and it's something that's very difficult to address in a way that seems productive because with a lot of the issues that people have as far as like confidence i mean those are things that are additional issues that are outside of infosec or or hacking or skills that you might have and i think that like sometimes things get confused and people misinterpret the way that either they might need extra support or other people might misinterpret the way that they think that they can help and so it's it's a really like murky murky thing because sometimes people are like oh i you know i feel like i have imposter syndrome i'm not good enough blah blah blah. and sometimes those people just might want to use that as a way to sort of gain opportunities but then other people have legitimate issues where they can't really see the good things they do and it's like a it's a a hard line to kind of like gauge and to self-assess with and yeah. I don't know what everybody here thinks about
2: that. I think, uh, like I want to smash something really quickly, uh, and be a bit of a jerk for a minute. A lot of people that I've seen, like a lot of, a lot of lesser skilled hackers, uh, that do have confidence issues sometimes blame the imposter syndrome. They'd be like, Oh, I have imposter syndrome, but on like just point out that some people are just imposters um uh, like it sounds like an asshole thing it is an asshole thing to say probably but there are like not everybody if your ego is bigger than your skill set maybe you need to check yourself but if you're doing that self-evaluation which can be really really hard to do and you find that hey maybe i do know a few things then yeah that's that's where you lie in that realm i guess of actual imposter syndrome yeah. um, like,
3: there's a difference use-
9: between having imposter syndrome and being new or even ha- being an imposter and being new like you know if you don't know all the things yet like that's okay like it doesn't oh, mean yeah. you're not real it just means you're learning and like that's all right
2: definitely definitely me but um, i just mean people who are like you know maybe they got busted for carding and then they're like talking up how much of a good hacker they are and it's like bro you you're not you you did something really easy
0: yeah I remember somebody said once uh you can't have imposter syndrome if you weren't anybody in the first place. And that really made me think about all of what I've been considering my own imposter syndrome. Like, huh, am I maybe just really new? Yeah,
2: being I, new is fun. Learning is great. Yeah. Learning is great.
9: I mean, but you totally can have imposter syndrome if you've never been anyone in the first place. I feel like a lot of underrepresented people who are trying to break in have a lot of imposter syndrome, like self-confidence issues because people have just always told them that they are not going to ever be good enough. Yeah. And (laughs) like, that's real. You know, you can have that even if you don't have skills yet. And that can actually make it harder for some people to try to build skills and break in because they're struggling with that. Just even trying to get into the gate, much less out of the gate.
8: I don't know that also this is, this like, is going to sound really um, kind of, I guess, passe or like uh, something that people say all the time, but I I've found it easiest to deal with imposter syndrome lately by just kind of imagining that I'm playing a game against myself, like acknowledging that I'm I'm always going to be learning something. People may look at me as an expert in any given topic that I've talked about, but that doesn't, I mean, if if I consider myself an expert, then I don't consider myself uh, a student anymore. So I, I kind of insulate myself from what other people think and just do my own thing. And that's a lot easier said than done.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when do you finish learning? Like, never. Like, on any <laughs> never, right? Yeah.
9: For me, having, like, a, um, I think, like, developing a decent idea of my own skill set has helped with imposter syndrome. And also just, like, knowing that, like, A, there are things that I do know there are a whole lot of things I don't know see you know the things that I do know I'm always learning more on but just like an idea of like what what I do have what I don't have and like what I can get better at and what I'm okay at like having a realistic idea of that about yourself I think has helped been helpful for me a lot so like
3: yeah that's super hard and I think that 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 is one of the things that I've struggled with because I switched careers to be in tech and so one, one thing that I still struggle with, I still struggle with this to this day is that I, I don't always trust that I have like the answers to something. Even if I do, I always think that I'm like, oh, I have to like defer this to somebody who's like more senior or something, even though there are people who are in the senior roles in their, in their, in their security, uh, you know, companies that listen to the show here that I contribute to, you know. And it's hard sometimes to be like, oh, like, you know, I might actually know a thing or two, and that's just a thing that is a part of my personality, I guess, or something. I don't know. But it's it's uh, that's something that I, I struggle with, and I know that there's people that, that struggle with that in other roles, and they, people who are way more senior, too, um, of just being able to trust that you might have the skill and you might have the best opinion about something for the task at hand. And that's just... Or
8: um, even a good enough opinion.
1: Yeah. I feel like uh, people always talk about like social media and like how everyone's just presenting like their best selves and how like that causes increases in like depression and anxiety. And I feel like that on Twitter, right. When you're seeing everyone do all their cool stuff and all these different, like pieces and parts of security that you have like no idea about. I feel like it's really easy to get uh, down on yourself for not knowing like this and that but there's just so many different you know pockets and corners and rabbit holes you can go down in security that it's uh like I mean, everyone else yeah. is doing cool shit right but
0: to like, build on that too it's uh really it's hard to build yourself up and uh like a lot of people they can't talk about the work they do and they can't talk about the stuff that they do and you see other people on twitter that are posting all this amazing work and it's just this it's really hard to watch other people be able to Talk about the things they do, and you can't really talk about the things that you do, and it makes you feel kind of out of it, you know? So there's.
3: Sorry. Go ahead. Hey, uh, one, I just want to say real quick your microphone's a little loud.
0: I was just
2: going to say really quick like, how many people tweet their fuck ups? The people I, do. I tweet fuck all
5: doing? the time. I love tweeting
6: those.
5: <laughs> I those do it favorite. all the time. Yeah, I do yeah, fuck me up too. It's the the show. <laughs> so my, my, uh, actually, uh, Pico raised your hand. Go ahead, man.
10: Oh, word. Um, I was just thinking on like um, especially the last few juggles and scope of like how your expectation level shouldn't and ideally isn't relative to how other people perceive your skills or your knowledge. Like you're totally waxing on some complex thing or down the line thing, but you think that everybody expects you to have all that knowledge and especially immediately and like to divide those two expectation tiers
5: there was there was something that occurred to me and actually ian I'm, I'm happy you're on because you were part of why this came to my mind um i was i was sitting there thinking one day like i i mean we i always had imposter syndrome especially like coming i didn't grow up a hacker right i didn't fucking get into this until like i was in my third like Late twenties, early thirties. Um, so that that played a part too, the adult experience of like overthinking things. Um, but then I met Ian at DefCon one year, uh, and then I kind of started looking around, and she was awesome, gives the best hugs. Uh, and I started looking around at all of these people that like called me their friend, right? People that choose to surround themselves with me, or ask me to go do things, or or like asks me like asks my opinion on things so the, 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 the mantra that's really helped me and turned me around was like all of these smart people like like Ian, like Amanda, like everybody in the thug crowd right like uh, even if, if I haven't met you yet um, they, they choose to want to have me around right and if I respect them that much and I value their opinion I'm almost disrespecting them thinking less of myself like who the fuck am I to disrespect them right? Now that's a little bit of a hard line, but it works for me, right? So I, I show my respect to the people who who choose to be around me by not devaluing myself. And that leaps and bounds has helped me. So maybe that little thing will help somebody else. Every time I've met you, you've been a true gentleman, sir.
9: <laughs> if you wouldn't talk about your, like a friend in the way that you talk about yourself, or if you wouldn't hear it, about like from somebody else if they're talking about a friend in the way that you talk about yourself maybe don't talk about yourself that way like be your own friend exactly one other thing i wanted to say about social media too before i forgot is like you see everybody doing their cool thing but they're also doing one thing and it isn't necessarily the same thing you're doing and that doesn't mean that that person knows everything and it doesn't mean that you know nothing like you only see like little bits of people on there and you know you get to see everybody else's highlight reel and your own blooper reel and like don't think of that as like being everything or reflecting on you or your own life
2: but this totally reminds me of uh some people i went to uh, a person i went to school with high school with and uh you know their their instagram is like holidays in like exotic places and Uh, a new car and like an expensive watch and then, but in real life, like when, like when you evaluate what that person does for a job, there's like no way they have that much money. Like they're in debt for that car and that watch and those holidays. Um, I just find it funny, you know, because when, like, if you didn't know what they did, like you you weren't aware, like that looks like a great life, but they are working really, (laughs) they're going to be working overtime for a long time before that's paid off. Like, I don't know.
3: Yeah, all people just flex, and it's it's hard to you know everything comes in the same form. I was thing with notifications, like when you're looking at Twitter, you're looking at any social media, even like like any websites, like news websites, anything. Like you're only seeing like the best of the best things, and algorithms are curated to make you want to look at it more and more. Like they want apps and websites make you want to feel like you can gain something like that from staring at your screen more and it's just like I don't know it's it's hard like I, I used to definitely feel bad about like not doing as much stuff as I wanted to do and then I ended up like not really even sharing things because I never felt like it was cool enough to share you know and that's what led me to literally having a backlog of stuff that I think is cool but I never share with anybody like I have I have like write-ups on like cool stuff that I did like years ago but i'm still like oh i should put this one out oh i should maybe like revisit this and it's like those kind of things like i i dealt with that and people i know have have told me similar things where they just haven't thought that what they've done was cool enough to to share like the write-up they might have done They're like oh there's been a million of these like it's like okay if you do it you still put the time and energy into it and you should share it you know and Every just as
9: it, it doesn't feel new to you doesn't mean it's not gonna be new to somebody
2: yeah there's been plenty like the bug bounty uh crowd and um the bug bounty sort of scene has been you know for a lot of people who have been around infosec and doing pen testing and other stuff for a while you see like a write-up on like a pretty mundane xss or maybe an rce or something And you're kind of like, yeah, that makes totally sense. I don't understand why they wrote a blog about it. But then you have a look at that scene that's sort of a, it's it's a very young scene um, for the most part. And people are just like, oh, I now know how to do this, you know, RCE and whatever. Like it's all about, you know, like you may not be the intended
4: audience, but somebody's the intended audience. You know, somebody's the audience that's going to find it. Um, I mean, to be fair, you're actually putting quality content out there. You're not just taking someone else's project and going like, ooh, we put it on a Raspberry Pi. Yeah. I suppose
2: it's a lot in the, in the hardware scene. Like, oh, I made a Raspberry ooh. Pi. It's like,
4: it's like we took someone else's project from this GitHub rep- repository and we put it on a Raspberry Pi. I'm like, cool. You too can build an MZ catcher using a RTL-SDR in a Raspberry Pi now.
9: Yeah. But, but did you put it on Kubernetes on a Raspberry Pi?
4: Oh, <laughs> better get on that.
1: Next level. Is it they post tomorrow? No, I think it is uh, like having, because like everyone does so much research, right? Like there's no one in, in here, and all, you know, very few people like in the industry who are here because they don't fucking like work their ass off and study and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so it's, I find myself uh, like falling into this kind of like trap It's like, oh, someone's already like researched that, or like, yeah, no one can, like, no one's gonna read that because everyone already knows. But you have to just put it out there sometimes.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, like the prophet writing about SS seven in twenty six hundred in like what, like ninety two, or something, like something like a long time ago. And there's still articles that come out about SS seven that come around every now and again, and people who read them are just like, damn, I didn't know about like how terrible ss7 is it's like it's been around but that's okay now now you know like
9: yeah. i mean yeah. people learn about buffer overflows like every day
2: yeah yeah the
3: holes are laughing yeah people uh write buffer overflows into their firmware every day
1: every um. day <laughs> also
0: true
1: um <laughs> something on
0: twitter about how you shouldn't feel bad if you're just learning something new that other people already know because on average, about 10,000 other people across the world are learning the same thing at the same time or whatever.
9: That's
0: a good so, point. Yeah,
3: you're not alone. Yeah. Um, yo, so it's actually, it's 1130. It's about the time to end, end the show here. Um, but I definitely wanted to, to thank everybody for coming on and, and being real honest about all this stuff. Because this is like, it's not easy to talk about. It's not something that everybody wants to talk about all the time but it's definitely very important. Um, We went over a lot of really cool stuff, um, shared a lot of stories and advice. And um, I definitely want to try to do another mental health show as well as I already started a a small little like resource thing to just pull together some of the things that I've found and some of the stuff others have shared with me. So um, people do have any sort of like resources to apps or write-ups or anything at all that would be relevant to what we've talked about here tonight. Um, You can just, DM them to at Thug um, or at Netspooky on Twitter and um, I can put them into it because I just want to have a, a, a running list maybe we can even have a Git repo to really make it <laughs> really make it uh, over-engineered to um, just have something for people to actually uh, to pull from when they're when they need to to get help and, and or, or not even just get help in the grand sense but just try to get little resources to Maybe help them um, navigate their lives better. Um, so while we, you know, end the show, does anybody have anything uh, else that they wanted to share before we get going?
4: Uh, don't fall in the trap that I did and go into coping mechanisms like substance abuse to cope with your feelings. That's a really horrible way to go about it. Yes. I I like uh, also don't do drugs. I mean, I can tell you right now, I'm a fucking, I'm an alcoholic. I. Yeah, I came to that realization this last winter, but that's a reality for me.
5: And uh, it's as, an, as analysts, we're all analysts. What do you think happens when you try to take antidepressants to cure this shit, or at least help with it, and then take more depressants? That just doesn't fucking make sense. So maybe that. <laughs> uppers, us,
2: downers, us, all-arounders. Um, <laughs> I think if, if, you, if you do try one of, the, like one of the things we've talked about, if you do try uh, seeking a therapist or a psychologist, psychiatrist, a friend, um, uh, Amanda's project, and whatever that is doesn't work for you, first go. Try something else and maybe try the same thing again um, because not all problems are solved the first go.
3: That's true.
2: That's one of the things
3: that I, I written down for myself as think about all the times your program didn't work the first time or think about all the times like you've tried to, uh, even if you're trying to like, do like a pen test and your exploit didn't work the first time, think about all the times that like you've screwed up on something and you've just sat there and made it work. Those same skills and that same sort of like, like just creative problem solving that gets you through every other aspect of your life can be applied to this similarly. That's something I'm still trying to 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 live and learn, but it's definitely a way to put it where people like us can understand it.
7: Yeah, documenting your wins, right? So I don't know if this is weird, but for me, when I was like feeling like garbage and don't know anything, something that uh, helped me or that past me did that helped me was like documenting all my wins on my resume, and then like rediscovering that, you know, while I was feeling down and thinking like, oh, okay, like whoever this guy is, he actually knows one thing at least.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Also, you guys want to give yourselves or any of your projects a quick shout out?
6: I have one thing that's not my project but um, that I think everyone should take. It's called Mental Health First Aid and it's fantastic. It started in Australia a couple years ago and I took the, it's like an eight hour class that most of the time is free. Um, and they're everywhere, and it basically is just first aid for yourself and others, but mental health-related.
9: Oh, yeah. Uh, I have one thing I want to share, which is that if you're underrepresented, a lot of the advice that gets given, particularly about, like, imposter syndrome or, like, the things that you deal with coming up are not necessarily going to... uh, Be reflective of your experience, and I want to see that and validate that. And your experiences are real, they are true, and so are you. And, like, know that and feel that and hold on to it.
1: Just on a
0: final note, I guess, uh, if you are considering suicide or harming yourself, talk to somebody.
10: Please don't do it. Yeah, that. Ideally an IRL friend and not the police, ever.
4: Yeah, don't don't talk to cops about that. Talk to a doctor first. Don't call
0: cops on people who are distressed either. That's not going to work, especially in America. In my country, it might work. Don't do it in America.
4: That's shit. I have actually had to do both of those in real life. It's a fucking mixed bag, but yeah, cops don't normally help. That's why EMTs are always nice because they're not cops. But unfortunately, that's just the reality of it.
8: Yo, don't talk to cops, period.
2: <laughs> the ten hack commandments still do apply, but you can bend the rules a little bit if it's gonna make you better.
4: Also, uh shout out to uh Morv uh CX, that dude who stole the M five seven seven last year, who was a uh Thug Crowd uh fan. He won his insanity plea, so he does not get jail time. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh a winner <laughs>
9: Yeah, I had that guy blocked because he was a dick. Sorry.
4: I don't know. Him. Uh, <laughs> he's insane, so can you really hold it against him? I don't know him either, but you know what? He's a train wreck in my book, and those are always fun to watch.
10: Hey, no judgments. Monk Dad beat your own life.
9: Hey, I can't argue with that. <laughs> Alright,
10: well,
3: thanks everybody for, for listening. Um, if you have any other questions, obviously you can tweet them at us. I um, had a lot of awesome people on the show. Um, are gonna follow. I don't know how you want to self-promote. Maybe just tag yourself or something. Um, people are interested in speaking any further with people who are on tonight. Um, and then the last thing uh, we have next week, we have uh, Halvar Flake is gonna be on Big Spooky Computer Man, and we're gonna talk about probably some really esoteric stuff. So nice. It's going to be fun um so yeah if anybody again if you have any resources any links any things you want to share for us to put in our little uh resource guide um please just dm them to us and we'll get them out there so i guess until next week uh thanks
2: shut the fuck up and get a lawyer shut the fuck up and get a lawyer trust your inner criminal
1: (laughs) (laughs) gait your crimes
5: be good to yourself this is the best closing of any podcast ever (laughs)
9: Good <laughs> to yourself be gay and do crimes.
5: <laughs> Commit at least <laughs>
3: one felony per day. All of the above.
9: Lead by example.
3: That too. That's probably the most important. Yeah. The wholesome advice
1: there at the end.
4: <laughs> Knowing <his laughs> the <afterburn. laughs> happening. All
1: right,
5: good night. Good night.
9: night, everybody.
5: Good night. Bye bye. Good night. Really? night, Paul. Linus.